You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Alikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC Vegas 15 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Vegas 15 features a 10-fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a 140-pound catchweight fight between Nate Maness, who is 12-1, and and Luke Sanders, who is 13-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? couple quick notes before we get rolling here. As always, the opening betting odds that I will be quoting are from MMAOddsBreaker.com, our opening betting odds article for UFC on ESPN 18. Check it out. That article is by Adam Martin on MMAOddsBreaker.com. And, of course, the updated betting odds that I will be quoting are from Circa Sports here in Las Vegas. Uh, check out the new Circa Resort and Casino that's located downtown on Fremont Street. An awesome experience if you're traveling to Vegas. I highly recommend going to Circa and uh, checking us out. Now, getting right into the first fight, as Brian mentioned, Manis actually opened minus 180, the comeback on Sanders at plus 140. And right now, over at Circus Sports, what we are seeing at the current moment is Sanders minus 150, the comeback on Manis at plus 130. So line flip more action coming in Sanders' way. Totally agree with it. Those of you guys that hopped on plus 140 early on, hats off to you. That was extreme value. Obviously, the line we're sitting at now is a lot more accurate. I, I do agree with it. Look, Mattis is a pretty solid fighter. There's no doubt. I think his grappling game can definitely present some problems to Sanders here. But the problem for Mattis is that Sanders is just simply the better fighter. I think he's got better wrestling. He's going to be able to keep this fight on the feet. And on the feet, he has the advantage as well. So barring some kind of bonehead move by Sanders and getting caught in a knee bar or some kind of scramble in a bad spot on the ground against Manis, I think really Sanders should win this fight. I mean, Sanders has, in my opinion, all the the makings of a, a future title contender. If he could just keep that fight IQ and the defense on the ground sound, I think this guy is definitely legit. So Sanders is the side here, in my opinion. I think, like I said, all the people that came in early got a great value. And I think there's probably still just slight value on Sanders left at minus 150 or so. I think the line's going to close a little bit higher because he is the better fighter. My pick is going to be Sanders. Yeah, and I like Sanders as well. Um, you know, my main issue with Sanders is this is a couple things. This is his first fight in 21 months, and he sometimes just can't get out of his own way. I mean, the guy is insanely talented. He has good striking, good pace, good aggression, um, great ground game, and uh, aggressive uh, wrestling, uh, really good submissions as well. Um the main thing that screws him up is sometimes he just get, can't get out of his own way. Uh, he puts himself in a bad position or he ignores a threat. And then the next thing you know, he's getting knocked out or he's getting uh, submitted out of nowhere um, by somebody that he's crushing. So I am definitely concerned that, you know, he finds uh, what they call a defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> uh, but, uh, against Menes, uh, it's a very winnable fight for Sanders. Um, 
basically, uh, Menes doesn't have, you know, that much power. He doesn't have that great of submission skills. So he doesn't have nearly as much of the ability to punish Sanders for making some kind of mental mistake. So as long as Sanders shows up, um, he should have, uh, the striking edge. He should have, uh, the wrestling edge. He should have the ground edge in terms of submissions. Uh, I think this is a really tough fight for Manas, and I don't see him uh, having much success here. I think uh, this is Sanders all the way, unless, again, he does something uh, to himself. So Sanders is going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the flyweight division, we have Sue Madarje, who is 12-4, taking on Malcolm Gordon, who is also 12-4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Monterey open minus 175 to come back on Gordon at plus 150. Right now, what we're seeing at Circus Sports, Monterey line climbing. Right now, currently minus 335 the come back on Gordon at plus 280. So needless to say, again, early action coming in on Monterey, bending the lineup where it kind of should be. I mean, I think minus 300 is a fair price right now for Monterey. Man, this guy's extremely talented. He's going to obviously have the big striking advantage over Gordon on the feet. Gordon is not bad, but I mean, against a high-level striker like Monterey, he's not going to have that that much success. He's going to want to take this fight to the floor and utilize his grappling advantage, where Monterey is getting better on the floor, though, and defensively and offensively, really. But Gordon's path to victory, in my opinion, is basically submission or bust. If he doesn't get that submission win over Madre, Madre probably finishes him and, and just kind of busts him up and gets him out of there. So Madre is an extremely talented up-and-coming prospect. We got to keep our eye on. I think this is a good matchup for him. If he doesn't get subbed, he wins it. So I am picking Madre. At the current price, at over minus 300 definitely makes it a little bit tougher to actually bet him here. But the early line, again, hats off to you guys that gobbled up under minus 200. Extreme, extreme value. Madre is a stud. He should win this fight. So my pick is Madre. And I'm right with you. Uh, Madre is a really, really talented striker, and unless Gordon is able to not just take him down, but take him down repeatedly, or take him down and put him in a very precarious position on the canvas, uh, I just don't see um, Gordon having that much success against him. Um, I, I, I think the the most likely outcome here is Madre utilizes that elite striking, big power, and just uh takes out uh Gordon. Now uh Madre did get, you know, controlled a little bit. He had some struggles on the ground against uh Smolka, but I think uh this time around um it, it looks like he's made some strides in his takedown defense and uh Gordon is very vulnerable if uh he cannot get those takedowns. So I think it's only a matter of time until uh Madre connects with something nasty and Gordon goes out. So, uh, Madre is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the featherweight division, we have Kai Kamaka, who is eight and two, taking on Jonathan Pierce, who is nine and four. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Kamaka minus 200, Pierce plus 170. That was the opening number. Right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we're seeing minus 315 for Kamaka. The comeback on Pierce at plus 265. Another spot where the favorite got bet up. 
right now, again, minus 300, more appropriately set line. Kamaka's been a stud, man. I mean, he's got the striking advantage over most opponents he's going to face. He's got the wrestling advantage over most opponents he's going to face. And he's just, again, one of these young up-and-coming fighters that's constantly improving. So Pierce is going to have the size advantage over Kamaka. Obviously, he's a savvy vet as well outside of the UFC. He's had some success and finally making it to the UFC. Uh, obviously, his debut wasn't um, as expected for him personally. I mean, he fought a very, uh, you know, in a very tough spot over a savvy vet in Lozon. So this is kind of more of a winnable kind of matchup for him in some ways, you would think, because of the experience factor coming in here. But Kamaka is no joke. He's legit. I think he's just better everywhere in this spot. I think Pierce, again, could kind of hang in there, maybe weather the storm and try to wear Kamaka out. And that may be his path to victory and then trying to finish him late. But outside of that, outside of Kamaka coming in and taking this fight on short notice, I mean, I don't see him really losing this fight. So again, the line is more appropriately set right now. Um, we're sitting at minus 300, 315-ish. So I think Kamaka does get it done here. So the pick is Kamaka. I agree with you. I like Kamaka here. Um, basically, he's stepping in for Sean Woodson on a week's notice. So that is one concern. But Pierce looked so bad in his last fight. Um, that it's just tough to pick him here. Um, basically, uh, you know, Pierce had a little bit of momentum coming into the UFC and Joe Lozon just obliterated him in 93 seconds. So, um, I think with Kamaka, uh, even though he is stepping in on short notice, um, I feel like Kamaka's the better striker here. I think Kamaka actually has, a uh, a little bit better ground too. So uh, I can see Kamaka outpointing Pierce on the feet. And perhaps grabbing some takedowns along the way. The only thing I'm concerned about is that Pierce is the bigger guy. So Kamaka's going to have to work for those takedowns. And um, Kamaka has had a little bit of cardio issues in the past. So if he starts to slow down, you know, especially with not having a lot of time to prepare for this fight, that Pierce could take over late. Um, so I'm going to go Kamaka, but just be careful out there because... Um, maybe Pierce is better than we give him credit for. Um, Joe Lozon has a tendency to smash some people, sometimes good people. Um, but, uh, I'm going to go with Kamaka. I think that he does end up winning a decision. Now dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Rachel Ostovich, who is four and five taking on Gina Mazzani, who is six and four. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Mazzini minus 127, Ostovich plus 106. That was the opening number. Right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Mazzini at minus 180 to come back on Ostovich at plus 155. So a spot where they're betting Mazzini on her weight drop down to 125. That's going to be interesting. She's going to be physically bigger. She should be a little bit stronger. Although Ostovich obviously has some power and is capable of kind of controlling fights in most cases. Both of these ladies have faced stiff competition, so this should definitely be interesting. I think it's a must-win fight for Ostovich here. She knows her back's up against the wall a little bit. It's not going to be an easy fight. Mazzani, again, he's going to have some physical advantages over Ostovich here, but Ostovich does have some power in the feet. I think she can make it interesting there. I think she can also maybe get some takedowns along the way. If her defense holds up, this is going to be a split decision type of fight, I think, if it hits a scorecard. So it's hard not to like Mazzani here, again, with all the attributes that I just said going in. So as far as a coin flip type of fight, I lean Mazzani, but at the betting window, it's probably a dog or pass situation. So my pick is Mazzani, but I mean, I don't think you can lay the chalk right now, especially where it's at a minus 180 and heading towards 200 in some spots. I think you got to stay away from it or bet Ostovich at the dog price. So the pick is Mazzani, but not a confident lean. Yeah, both of these girls have really struggled in the UFC so far. Um, both are coming off of uh, losses. 
Uh, Mazzini just got absolutely crushed in her last fight, losing in about 20 seconds to uh, Avila. Um, and Ostevich, she's had some moments, but um, her biggest issue is even when she does get takedowns, she gets caught with submissions by her opponent. And that's what happened uh, most recently for her when uh, she scored a, a takedown against Paige Van Zant, and then she got armbarred. Um, and she has not fought since then. And that was January of 2019. So almost two full years since her last fight, she's uh, making an appearance again here. Um, Ostevich is the better wrestler, I think. Um, I, I expect Mazzani to be the better striker. So for me, uh, this boils down to can Ostevich get takedowns? Um, Mazzani has not been particularly great with takedown defense so far in her career. Um, and she is dropping down a weight class for this. She's fought primarily at Bantamweight throughout her entire career, and uh, now she's dropping down to 125. So how she performs at the new weight class should be interesting, but she is going to be bigger, longer, uh, taller than uh, Ostevich. So it's going to boil down to, can Ostevich get takedowns? Can she grind this out? And... Can she avoid making that mental mistake where she gets caught with a submission along the way? Um, Mazzini really hasn't shown much submission prowess. So for her, she just wants to keep this upright and go to work on the feet. She's not the greatest striker, but she is at times effective. And I think that she should be the better striker here. So um, I'm going to go Ostovich. I think that the wrestling is going to be enough. But again, um, when you've got a four and five fighter against a six and four fighter, you know, it's anybody's guess. But I definitely think the line of 180 for Mazzini is way off. I think it should be a lot closer than that. But my pick will be Ostovich. Now, moving up to the Bantamweight division, we have Martin Day, who is eight and four, taking on Anderson Dos Santos, who is 20 and eight. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Day open minus 164, Dos Santos plus 136. And right now looking over Circus Sports, minus 160 plus 140. So opener was pretty solid overall, I believe. And it's kind of staying market around that price right now across the board. Kind of a tough spot, man. I mean, Martin Day, you could see the talent that this guy's got. I mean, he's fun to watch for sure. He's always improving, has that kind of Hawaii warrior spirit, you know, coming from that region. It's it's phenomenal to watch him fight. He's very exciting. And I really enjoy it. And I think his, his skill set, is always improving and you could see the work he's putting in is kind of paying off. But defensively, there is a concern with day. I mean, he gets clipped on the feet way too often. He can be put on his back at times as well. And he can kind of blow it in fights. I mean, his last fight, he was in a straight out war and then he just got brutally KO'd. So again, got to give Grant a lot of credit for that win. But I mean, that's the problem I think and the hesitation I have with day because defensively he is capable of having those moments. Dos Santos, on the other hand, he's been steady man throughout his career. Again, before the UFC, he's faced a lot of decent competition, has some solid wins on his resume as well. He's going to be a little bit shorter here. Um, he's not going to have the reach advantage, obviously. So day is going to have those attributes over Dos Santos, but I think Dos Santos is a pretty well-rounded, talented fighter as well. I think he could give day a lot of problems here on the feet. I think again, days defensively, a concern where I think Dos Santos can have some good spots during this fight. And then of course on the ground, I think Dos Santos can sell here as well. So I think it's probably another one of those spots where you have to be concerned and, and hesitate a little bit laying day side here. Um, I think it's probably a dog or pass situation. I'm going to pick Dos Santos straight out because I think he's really due for one of those 
like solid performances, meaning putting everything together. And this could be the perfect spot for him. I think he can showcase a little bit of a stand up and mixing in a ground attack and kind of grind out a competitive type of decision win for him here. This is a spot to do it. So I'm going to pick Dos Santos here. Not again, not a confident pick. He's an underdog for a reason. I think Dade does have the advantages and he can look like the flashier and better fighter at times in this spot. And he could very well get the win, but I still think it's a dog or pet situation. And I'll stick my neck out a little bit and lean Dos Santos here as a pick. And I'm going to come in the other way. Um, you know, Day returned from a, a really long layoff and he had a tremendous fight to, against Davy Grant in July. Um, and I think, uh, Dos Santos, he just has not really been competitive that yet, very much yet. Um, in his UFC, uh, debut, he stepped up on short notice and took on a Nad Naramani up a weight class. Um, did not work out for him. Uh, and then, you know, about seven months later, he took on uh, Andre Ewell and again, you know, lost. Um, this is his first time fighting in about 17 months. So he's been out of action for quite a while. Um, also, you know, he is coming off of a, a positive test for COVID back in July, uh, that, that delayed it even further. Um, I think, you know, his original opponent, Jack Shore would have, uh, crushed him back in July and, while I don't think Day is quite at that level, um, Day is still talented. Um, Day should have, uh, uh, the striking edge here. He's taller, longer. Um, you know, Dos Santos does not give up, uh, does not have much size. I think, uh, unless Dos Santos can really get his grappling going, um, I think Day is going to light Santos up on the feet. Um, Santos did, Dos Santos did struggle, uh, against, uh, to get the ground game going against Narmani and Ewell. And I think he struggles here. Um, basically, Day should have uh, make use of that height and reach advantage and score big points on Dos Santos on the feet. And I just don't see him giving up easy takedowns. So I think uh, Day outpoints him over the course of three rounds and wins a decision. So Day is going to be my pick. Now... Sticking with the Bantamweight division, moving over to the women's side, we have Ashley Evans-Smith, who is 6-4, taking on Norma Dumont, who is 4-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Evan Smith, minus 139, Dumont plus 115. That was the opening market price. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, Evan Smith, minus 135, comeback on Dumont, plus 115. Another solid opening price, staying market about that. You know, in that area of ballpark, I guess there's minus 135s, minus 140s out there. So tough one, man, because, I mean, Dumont, you you expect a lot of good things. Obviously, you know, coming into her UFC debut up a weight class against Megan Anderson, not an easy task. She ended up getting obviously destroyed in that bout, but this is a different type of matchup for her. She's not going to have to worry about Evan Smith being nearly as much of a danger or threat on the feet as obviously – Anderson was in her last fight, but the different problem that Evan Smith does present is obviously her grappling, her grinding style, um, the experience and, and high level competition that she has faced. So there's a lot to be determined about Dumont, honestly. I mean, it's, she's kind of a question mark in this spot, but the UFC matchmakers think highly of her, obviously setting her up in these spots, meaning that pairing her up against Megan Anderson, I mean, they obviously thought she was ready to at least compete and hang in there with her. Now, again, facing a high level um, fighter like Evan Smith, as far as experience goes. And, you know, like I said, level competition she's faced throughout her career. This is a good spot for her to come in and actually, uh, you know, pull off a slight upset and get herself 
kind of solidified in this bantamweight division. So there's a lot kind of to kind of question and like about Dumont in this spot, I guess. But overall, it's hard to pick her because we haven't seen enough of her at, at this level. So I have to kind of use my head and think Evan Smith will kind of survive anything that Dumont throws at her and figure out a way to win this spot with probably on the scorecards, maybe even get a finish on the ground, whether it's positional control, TKO stoppage or submission. So I lean Evan Smith, but again, how could you be confident here? Realistically, I think this is a fight you stay away from completely and see really if Dumont can show us something in this spot. So my pick is Evan Smith. Good luck. If you're betting this one. Yeah, this one is tricky because we just don't know a lot about Dumont yet. Um, all we've seen so far was her debut on short notice, up a weight class against powerhouse Megan Anderson and Anderson, you know, steamrolled her, uh, ended up knocking her out in the first round. Um, Evan Smith, we've seen quite a bit, you know, she's had a decent run at 135 pounds. Then she dropped down to flyweight trying to become a contender there. It started well with a win over uh, Beck Rawlings. And then uh, she ended up losing to Andrea Lee and has not fought in, you know, about a, over a year and a half. So um, this is the first time we've seen her in a long time. She's returning to Bantamweight, which I think probably is her more natural weight class. She's fought uh, outside of Bantamweight even before she got to the UFC. So uh, how this fight plays out, I think Dumont should have the striking edge. I mean, she, you know, looking at her, I believe she was a, a national Sonda champion in uh, Brazil. So she does have... Uh, some, some striking skill. Um, but Evan Smith has shown some good, uh, takedowns. She's shown some wrestling. She's shown some good ground and pound. And I think that she'll be threatening with that throughout the fight. Uh, Dumont might be able to get some striking going. She might be able to try to grind, uh, Smith out a little bit along the fence. Like she was looking to, to clinch quite a bit with Megan Anderson. Uh, maybe she'll try to get that going here, but, uh, I'm going to stick with the devil I know versus the devil I don't. And I'm going to go with Evan Smith, but uh, if Dumont, you know, shows up and, you know, we actually get to see some uh, skill out of her, she could, she could surprise me, but uh, I just don't know enough and haven't seen enough to trust her here. And I'm going to go with Evan Smith. I think uh, she does get her wrestling going. And I think that she does get some ground and pound going from top position. So Evan Smith will be my pick. Now, moving up to the featherweight division, we have Bill Algio, who is 13 and 5, taking on Spike Carlisle, who is 9 and 2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Carlisle opened minus 150, Algio plus 130. Right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we have Carlisle minus 182, the comeback on Algio at plus 157. So, Carlisle, very popular bet. Obviously, a lot of people have. High hopes for this guy. I mean, he's got a lot of really good aspects to his game already. I mean, he, he's even marketable. He's got that kind of attitude, the cockiness about him. So he, he could realistically, you know, climb the ladder of featherweight and, and kind of make a run if he keeps on improving his overall skill. I mean, you see the power that this guy has on the feet. He's very dangerous. Obviously, he's got a good wrestling background and a decent grappling. And he continues to improve. I mean, he definitely has holes in his game. And one of the biggest is his cardio. I mean, this guy... You know, I think he showed us a little bit more in his last fight, despite the close loss to Quartillo. I think, you know, kind of going the distance and, and kind of making it 
all three rounds in that kind of grueling pace, I think will definitely help Carlisle um, moving forward in his career. So I think he kind of needed that. Uh, but that is, again, my hesitation for Carlisle here. I don't necessarily agree with everybody. I know he's going to have his advantages and he can look for takedowns here in this spot over Aljo. And he's going to look to kind of grind and control him and, and just kind of make him look foolish. But as this fight progresses, I think Aljo is the better, more well-rounded fighter, the more experienced fighter still at this point of his career. And I think he could have some success back at Carlisle. So I don't, exactly trust Carlisle as much as everybody coming in and, and betting on him in this spot. I think Algio, even though he lost to Lamas in his UFC debut, I think he, he fought pretty well. And again, tough out. I mean, Lamas is one of obviously the best featherweights of all time. And as far as, um, you know, who he's faced in the high level competition and who he's beat. So you got to respect that loss, sort of speak for Algio, not an easy spot to come in and get the W over. Um, so I don't necessarily think that was a bad loss, but again, he's got his hands full with Carlisle. I can understand Carlisle being a slight favorite in this spot, but I think, Minus 180 is really hard to trust him. I'm going to go again, kind of stick my neck out, go against the grain here, and just to pick Aljo to win this fight straight out. So I think it's a dog or pass situation, obviously, and I'm going to pick Aljo to win. Um, but again, Carlisle, you have to definitely respect what he brings to the table here. And early on, it's going to be probably his fight. So you got to be cautious if you're betting this fight and not go crazy on it either way. But my pick is going to be Aljo. And I understand uh, the reasoning behind the Algeo pick. You know, he's a guy that is a dangerous, powerful striker, and he didn't get blown out by Ricardo Lamas. You know, he he lost a fight of the night slug slugfest. So that absolutely could happen for him here, where uh, you know he gets the better of Carlisle on the feet over the course of three rounds, maybe even knocks him out. Um, that being said, um, Algeo has had some issues with his uh, takedown defense. Um, we saw it. Uh, you know, with him getting uh, taken down by uh, Lognane on Contender Series. And then we saw him get taken down by uh, Lamas. So uh, he had, he's been taken down quite a few times so far in the UFC and uh, on Contender Series. And Carlisle is an aggressive wrestler, guy that pursues takedowns uh, and looks for dominant positions on the ground, aggressive uh, guard passer. Looks for ground and pound, looks for submissions. Uh, he's just a pedal to the metal guy. Uh, really, really fun to watch. And I think, uh, Carlisle had a really strong performance early against Billy Corintillo, a very dangerous fighter. And Corintillo, you know, kind of outlasted him. And I'm just not sure that Algio is going to be able to outlast him. I think, uh, Carlisle, uh, is going to be able to win the first two rounds at least, uh, against Algio, get those takedowns, go to work on the canvas. And Algio is going to be playing keep up. And unless Algio can pull a third round stoppage out of his hat, uh, I think that Carlisle walks away with a decision victory, if not a stoppage victory on the ground. So Carlisle is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Josh Parisian, who is 13 and 3, taking on Parker Porter, who is 10 and 6. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Parisian open minus 164, Porter plus 136. And right now looking over at Circa Sports, we have Parisian minus 210, the comeback on Porter plus 180. So again, Parisian getting bet up a little bit, momentum on his side for sure. I mean, he is definitely a talented heavyweight, more than capable of coming in here and getting rid of Porter. Obviously, Porter getting knocked out in his UFC debut probably doesn't sit well amongst the betters out there. Make no mistake, though, this should be a, a good heavyweight fight in a scrap because Porter does have some power on the other side of things. And, you know, that's where the line is still competitive. I mean, you're not talking about a huge 
hyped fighter and Parisian here just kind of all the steam coming in his way. I mean, there's definitely some respect with the Lions staying around minus 200 or so for Porter, especially him coming off a knockout loss is what I'm talking about. So both these guys, heavy hitters, capable of knocking each other out here. Obviously, you have to lean towards Parisian. I mean, he, this guy's got confidence, a lot of momentum on his side right now as well. I think he does get this fight done. I think he is the better fighter. But again, at the betting window, I'm staying away from it. I mean, two heavy hitters. I think Porter's probably being underrated a little bit here in this spot. And Parisian's probably not as good as everybody's thinking in this spot either. So, I mean, again, you got to respect his win streak, no doubt about it. But um, that is probably going to come to an end very soon. I think both these guys are kind of more mid-tier heavyweights um, on this UFC roster, mid to lower tier, honestly. We'll see what uh, Parisian can do. Maybe he he surprises me and, and kind of makes a run towards the top tier of the heavyweight division here in the UFC. That's possible, I guess. He's got more upside. But still, at this point of his career, I still think he's kind of mid to lower level in this spot. So hard to trust and lay chalk on somebody like that. So my pick is going to be Parisian. I think he does get it done. But at the betting window, again, be careful. Yeah, I feel like this fight is set up for Parisian to look good. I mean, Parker Porter, in his UFC debut, he kind of got smoked by uh, Kyle Daukas, or Chris Daukas, um, ended up getting uh, finished in the first round after some punches and knees. Um, and this time around, uh, Parisian, you know, he, this guy is a ferocious finisher. Um, he's coming into the UFC on a really nice win streak, uh, six-fight win streak, and every single one of those wins has been a stoppage. Uh, all of them by uh, strikes even. So uh, including his contender series fight where uh, just this past August, uh, he, you know, got Chad Johnson to the ground and finished him with punches from Mount. So, you know, this guy is a powerful striker. He's got decent wrestling. And if he gets you down, he just goes to work until it's over. So it seems like he's uh, starting to really figure things out. Granted, you know, his win streak the only person that was really a good win was the Chad Johnson win. You know, that was uh, a, a quality win. But, you know, before that, you know, he was beating guys that were three and six, four and 11, eight and 10. So we haven't seen a lot out of him in terms of a quality competition. So I am concerned about that. But uh, this is definitely a winnable fight. You know, Parker Porter is just not that good. Uh, he does not have a great chin. He's been finished repeatedly. Um, throughout his career, and I think that he should be able that uh, Parisian should be able to get this win here. So I think Parisian makes a successful UFC debut, and I'm going to pick him to not just beat Parker Porter, but finish him along the way. Now moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the welterweight division, we have Miguel Beza, who is nine and zero, taking on Takashi Sato, who is sixteen and three. Now Nick. Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Beza minus 190, Sato plus 165. That was the opening number. Right now, what we're seeing over Circus Sports, Beza minus 170, Sato plus 150. Early fight of the night candidate, obviously, pre-card. I mean, this this fight, both these guys, strikers, high-level strikers, knockout artists, this should be fireworks. I think that's why originally you saw the line to kind of dip. Everybody was coming in in more Sato's way, take, gobbling up that plus money advantage. We've seen Beza in fights already been clipped, been hurt. But this guy recovers quick. He's a warrior, another one of these guys that even if he's hurt, he finds a way to turn things around and then look impressive doing so. So I respect Beza, man. I think on the ground, you can't sleep on this guy either. I think he's actually the better mixed martial artist here because um, we've seen him be put on his back and actually start 
you know, throwing up armbar submission attempts or whatnot, too. So this guy, I don't think you can sleep on him. He's always getting better. I mean, the hype, I think, could be justified here. He has to get better defensively, obviously, and he's got to be concerned about Sato's power here. So he cannot let Sato tee off on him. I mean, he has to respect that. But I think it's Bayes' fight to win or lose here. Although, again, at the betting window, as it kind of nears minus 200 or so, you got to be careful. I mean, it probably is a dog or pass situation because Sato is, and he had an elite-level offensive striker. But defensive Sato is a concern. He has been clipped. He's been hurt. He's been knocked out in the past as well. So I don't realistically trust his chin. I think Bezos probably the more durable of the two, or he recovers a little bit better, I think. Um, but again, make no mistake, this is going to be fireworks. Both these guys have a shot at getting that KOW here. But I am going to side with Beza. I think he's the better fighter. So my pick is Beza to win. And again, hopefully this lives up to what expectations I'm setting for, because this has fight of the night potential written all over it. Yeah, I'm right with Nick. I think this is the best fight on the card. Uh, two very powerful, dangerous sluggers going toe-to-toe. Um, I don't expect this fight to go to the floor. I think they're going to be on the feet, trading bombs for three straight rounds or until somebody goes down, um, which is scary because Sato is a big-time knockout artist. When he loses, it's because people take him down and submit him or just take him out of his element, mixing mix it up a little bit. So to have somebody that is a really dangerous striker against him, you know, this just screams fight of the night for me or knockout of the night potentially. Um, so Sato is a little bit more of the one punch finisher. Um, I don't really see him outpointing Beza over the course of three rounds. The only way I see Sato winning other than knockout is if he hurts Beza repeatedly and can't put him away, um, but wins rounds that way. Um, Beza, on the other hand, I think he can outpoint Sato, he's going to be mixing it up better in terms of throwing leg kicks. I mean, his leg kicks are devastating. Um, Beza also throws more often and more aggressively. So I think he can out volume Sato and he does have the power to perhaps knock Sato out. So I just see way more paths to victory, even though this is a stand up versus stand up fight, um, with the way that Beza kicks with the, his volume and with his power. Um, I think he can win a multitude of ways. Well, where Sato just can only really land that one big, you know, right or left hand. So uh, I'm going to go with Beza. I think he gets the job done. And I think uh, this is a very, very fun, exciting fight. So keep your eyes open for this one. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division, we have Anthony Smith, who is 33 and 16, taking on Devin Clark, who is 12 and 4. Now, Nick. What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Smith opened minus 161. They come back on Clark at plus 134. And right now, sitting over at Circus Sports, we have Smith at minus 131. They come back on Clark at plus 111. So line opened up a little high. Obviously, a little bit of value on the dog early on got gobbled up. Now we're sitting at, like I said, market-wide plus 11, plus 15-ish around that ballpark. Tough fight. I mean, obviously, Anthony Smith is the more well-rounded mixed martial artist he's faced. The higher-level competition throughout his career has been in that title mix already, and a lot of people were expecting him to, you know, kind of remain in that spot. But now, back-to-back losses um, to Teixeira and Rakich. I mean, not bad losses. Obviously, those are high-level fighters, but, man, he got beat up in those fights pretty bad. I mean, he survived against Rakich and made it to the scorecards. You got to give him some credit for that. But I just don't like what I see from Smith at this point of his career right now. I mean, and this guy, again, before he entered the UFC, 
he's had a long, long career. I mean, you know, so this guy has been through some wars, even pre-UFC. Then during the UFC, obviously, we've seen what he's uh, been in there with, and it's nothing but high level and the best of the best. So I'm not so sure where he's at at this point of his career. This could be a great spot for Clark to come in here and pick up a win that, you know, back a little while ago, he probably wouldn't have gotten. So I think he's Clark is getting this fight at the right time. I think Clark is showing enough improvements coming off of a huge win against Menafield. Um, and then again, kind of having back-to-back wins that Townsend was Townsend win, excuse me, was impressive as well, but still, I mean, that's the kind of fighter that he should kind of get those W's over. So I think there's a lot to like about Clark here. If he could kind of weather that early storm and make it into round three, round four, round five, I think he can actually start taking this fight over and beat Anthony Smith and get the W, but he's going to have to fight defensively sound. He's not going to be able to kind of let Smith get him in a bad spot, whether it's on the ground with the submission attempts or whatnot, or on the feet either. I mean, we've seen Clark again, kind of defensively be a concern in spots. So I think he's going to have to fight smart here, whether an early storm, and then he's capable of winning this fight. So I think it's a dog or pass situation. And again, I think it's based on the timing of it all. I think Clark is just getting Smith at the right time of his career. So I lean a little bit more towards Clark. Again, that's probably not going to be a, a very popular opinion as far as a pick goes, because I get it. I know Anthony Smith is the better martial artist and more well-rounded, but I don't know, man. I can't trust him in this spot. So if you guys are out there laying juice on Anthony Smith at minus 130, good luck to you. But it's dog or pass for me, and I'm going to actually pick Clark to get the W here. And I'm going to come in the other way. I, I, I think Anthony Smith, this is a very winnable fight for him. Um, yes, Smith has struggled recently against, uh, some of the best fighters in the, the division with, uh, Teixeira, who is, you know, right now knocking on the door for a title shot and Rakich, who also is knocking on the door for a title shot. Um, so I'm not going to blame him for losing those fights. I mean, he actually was looking good against Teixeira until he started to slow down. Um, my main concern is with this fight being bumped up to the main event that, uh, with Smith having shown, uh, that he slowed down in the Deshera fight, that maybe, uh, Clark can take over as this fight wears on if Smith starts to, uh, tire again. That hasn't historically been a problem for Smith. He's had actually quite a few really great performances and late finishes in his career. But, uh, lately that is a, you know, a problem and he has been taking a lot of punishment. So I am a little nervous, but. Clark does not present nearly the problems that Teixeira and uh, Rakich presented. Um, you know, Clark is not a devastating striker. Uh, he does not have a ton of power. He's not a really good technical striker. And he doesn't have a really dangerous ground game. Um, he does have some wrestling. Um, but other than that, he's more of a grinder. And uh, I think that this fight plays well into Smith's hands. Uh, uh, Smith should have the, a big time striking edge, a big time power edge, and he should be more dangerous with submissions. Um, the only place I see Clark having an advantage here is the wrestling. And can he use wrestling for five straight rounds and just wear Smith out? Possibly. But, um, you know, Clark has a history of getting caught, um, and finished, uh, in terms of striking. So I can totally see Smith actually catching him with something and putting away. And uh, Clark has been submitted a couple times. So I think uh, Smith might be able to latch onto something as well. You know, he is pretty crafty on the ground as long as he's not facing, you know, world-class ground fighter like uh, Glover Teixeira. So uh, I think this is a very winnable fight for Smith. But uh, my only real concern is the punishment that he's taken over his last two fights. And with this fight being five rounds, if Smith starts strong and then fades. Uh, again, that is... 
something that could absolutely happen. But I'm not quite sure that Clark is the type of fighter that can really take advantage of that. So I think this is a good matchup stylistically for Smith, and I think he gets the job done. I think he finishes Clark along the way, probably by knockout. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Vegas 15. Uh, if we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOBPremium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We can also have the free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com, so make sure to check that out. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.